Hello and welcome to Lesbianics, the podcast. This is a show discussing the lives of queer, trans, and non-binary folks of color and life beyond our labels. I'm your host, Javon Crumby. This is The Highlight, a segment where I highlight queer and trans people of color who are doing amazing things for our community. This week, I want to shout out The Queer Gym, which is the nation's first queer gym based in Oakland, California. It was founded by Coach Nat in 2010, who created this gym after feeling unwelcome, uncomfortable, and unsafe for being queer. And you may be wondering why I would be promoting a gym since gyms are closed during COVID-19, but Coach Nat decided to make it an online gym instead so anyone around the world can join their live stream classes. The Queer Gym offers live stream workout classes, fitness classes with really catchy names like Oakland Booty, Hardcore Homo, Hella Weights and Meditate, and so many more. They also offer live stream nutrition classes and offer nutrition plans, along with assigned personal trainers and daily and weekly check-ins to keep you on track. To learn more, you can head over to thequeergym.com and sign up for one week free and join the online homebody challenge. Again, that's thequeergym.com. We're going to get into an interview I did with Joshua Kahikina, a spiritual Hawaiian doula, dancer, crystal enthusiast, and Reiki healer. We discussed his spiritual journey and how he found his calling to be a doula and Reiki healer, along with finding the power from within to unlock our happiness. So without further ado, here's Joshua. My name is Joshua Kahikina, a flower of Hawaii from Massachusetts. I'm 26. I enjoy getting down on the dance floor, being there for friends, family, and any of my clients that I'll tell you about later. I'm kind of shocked to end up where I am. I'm in Sacramento now. Um, It's my first city, so I'm kind of in my own process of still growing and learning more about myself. Yeah, I feel like that's a good rundown. I can tell that your Hawaiian heritage means a lot to you. Are there some, like, what are some Hawaiian practices that you kind of hold dear to? Uh, well, I, from hula to wayfinding, if you would, uh, wayfinding is pretty much how the culture got around the world and why it's everywhere. We're in Tahiti, we're in Samoa, we're, we're in Hawaii. And to wayfind is just to use your surroundings in order to get to where you want to be going. So you might follow the stars to get to um, Tahiti from New Zealand, but you might follow the way of the waves to get from Tahiti to Hawaii. And I feel like I do the same thing. Like I'll ride the wave. I'll go where my client took me this time from the East coast to the West coast. And I'll listen to the stars and be like, do I want to be a Gemini today or do I want to be an Aquarius? Um, (laughs) So I think that the old ancient ways are kind of more modernized today through that outlook. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's the hula experience, which is just really taking motion and telling a story. So I feel that my dance is both an energetic and a artistic form of expression. And that comes from the roots of being a hula dancer. 
I love that. Yeah. And I was going to say, I noticed on your Instagram, you have a lot of videos of you dancing, which I love. You dance with like such conviction <laughs> and I can tell it's like a, a release for you. And I know you said that it's an artistic form of expression, but what does dance do for you spiritually? So there, there's a lot of like yoga practices out there and I've done many and nothing's quite brought me into my own self like dance can. Um, I've never really been able to sit in my breathing practices like I can sit in my dancing practices. The things that I come out of a dance acknowledging or looking at can kind of move me to emotions that I wasn't ready to face before the dance. It can bring me to emotions during the dance. It can bring me to emotions before the dance and then leading one into the other. So I think that that kind of like recycled energy is why I love dance because you can take a really awful emotion like anger or grief and you can turn it into something by the end of it. You're smiling, you're laughing, or you're just, you're crying. And, and the reality of it is you needed to cry, but maybe your anger was blocking that. But you twerked it out a little bit and then there you go. You're grounded enough to feel your emotions finally. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what dancing does for me. And I've seen it inspire others uh, to really get out of their head maybe for a moment. And I think that's shocking and um, almost surprising, like, well, shocking, surprising uh, way to explain dance is healing. Um, yeah. And most people don't remember that movement medicine is a very real thing. They're like, dancing is just something I do for fun. And I'm like, yeah, I like to heal for fun too, but <laughs> <laughs> why stop there? Right. Um, but yeah, it definitely is a major release of many different things from pent up energy to emotions to just kind of feeling like I didn't do much for a workout that day. Because mm. um, sometimes dancing can be very, uh, what's it called? You can be very sore the next day from it and just be like, yeah, remember that emotion. Ooh, I really <laughs> felt that one that day. Okay. And, you know, I know that you're a doula. Can you explain to the listeners what exactly that is and what that entails and, like, how you kind of became one? For the most part, uh, doula is an ancient Greek word meaning female servant. Um, so most of the time, a male doula is really rare. Mm -hmm. um, it's mainly because uh, most doulas are females that have already had babies and are willing to take the knowledge from their birth and bring it to the table. Mm -hmm. um, but more and more, we're finding more women coming into the program that aren't mothers and they're just really interested in being more of a birth consultant. And that's kind of how I've become uh, the doula that I am today. Uh, I was trained by a woman named Diane Bartlett. Uh, most people call her YPO. Uh, she taught me that I was more gifted in the idea of states of mind, like us talking in this podcast right now is a state of mind. I had to relax to answer your questions in order to be my true authentic self. Um, that's the same idea of a doula or a birth consultant is 
relaxing the patient to do her job that she has to do the best way she can, or he can in some cases for our non-binary folk. So that's what doulas really tend to do. They're holding a space and making sure that they can advocate for what you're looking for. A lot of the times, the reason why doulas exist today is because we have these doctors or um, OBs, obstetricians, um, having power trips or not even a power trip, just wanting to go home. Maybe they had a long day. So they're just kind of looking to get that baby out of you and send you on your way Mm -hmm. instead of giving that birth plan its best and most efficient way of happening or being. Um, They're just forcing it. So we, we tend to have a lot of that in the field and instead of intuitive or empathic even um, with the client to doctor ratio. So the doula is there to kind of be that bridge between the two and be like, hey doc, like you came into the room, like clapping your hands, kind of like abrasive. Can we try that again? Maybe come into the room. The mother wants you to lower the lights, maybe gently walk in because you're, sending them to stress I don't think this is going to be a happy birth now like or it's not going to be a very smooth birth because any cortisol or stress hormone is going to cause the mom to contract and that's where complications come from the more relaxed we are the more likely we're going to have a good birth and doulas aren't just for births there's they're basically a person who supports another person through their transition of a life experience so Birth is a major life experience, so is death. So there's birth doulas and death doulas. Um, I kind of, I'm on the line. Um, I've done a lot of hospice work in the past and I've done more birth work with my doula certification, but being in Sacramento, there's a lot of death uh, cafes around here. So I've been kind of being pulled towards the death doula side of life too. Having uh, lost a few friends, it's that's where I find myself more related to my clients mm. because I haven't had a baby, but I've been in birth, so it's like I I have like knowledge of birth, but I don't have that empathy, and I feel like with uh, death doulas, there's a lot more relatedness. Um, everyone has basically lost someone, whether it be a pet, family, or friend. It's it's usually um, something more relatable. So I think we're going to see a lot more death doulas coming up in the future. Now, for death doulas, just for clarification, is that for women who have lost their children or could it be um, any death, like of any age? So it's any death. Um, I, like I, I mentioned the hospice work, mainly because that's where you're going to find a lot more death doulas. Mm, okay. They're going to be transitioning the client from the living state to the the dying to the death stage mm. and it's relaxing um i've i had two clients that stand out from my massage work um one was on one was on hospice and the other one had a um someone who they had lost on the hospice program uh-huh. and uh she like relaxed as she told me about it and i felt like most of the time no one has that death doula to even get out the grief that they're feeling because they're being strong for another family member or maybe they're not willing to show this emotion. 
Yeah, that's really important. I never, I never knew of a death doula, but that, that sounds like that would be so comforting to have. You mentioned that they help people that are going from the living state to dying, but does anybody get a death doula to just process the grief of losing somebody? So that's where the death cafes come in. Um, I understand that they are basically a network for you to discuss with other people who have lost people. Um, mm -hmm. It can also be the hub where a bunch of death doulas are meeting as well, meeting clients, meeting future clients, past clients, and discussing that. So that would that's like the best place to ask for that. Doulas do all the services from prenatal, like I said, pre-death, um, during the pregnancy or during the birth, and then during the transition, like a lot of death doulas stand by your bed while you pass um, because that's the person you want there. Um, a lot of clients, like in the hospice world, they didn't want their family to be in the room while they passed. Um, but everyone's different. A lot of death doulas that do offer um, postpartum death law or post-death uh, services, like kind of grief counseling or just kind of just listening really. Those are those are the main qualities that make a doula is being able to listen and being able to uh, at least empathize to some degree uh, to understand that this person's hurting and maybe all they have to do is talk and that's their way of working it out. Or you could offer them a story like I once was massaging someone who passed away. And that's usually a go-to um, for me because it's it's saying usually they're not going to pass unless they're comfortable enough anyway, especially if they have the privilege of passing on a bed and knowing it's happening. Gotcha. And I can tell that you have definitely like a very calming presence about you and you definitely seem to be very spiritually in tune with yourself. Were you brought up in a spiritual home or was this kind of like a self-discovered journey? That's actually kind of a funny question um, because I was brought up in a very atheist um, household where they, my parents grew up um, not really believing in anything. Um, my mom was a very French woman and my father was very Hawaiian, but the Hawaiian culture was kind of brought out of him uh, for my grandfather's background. He leaves the islands and kind of is kicked out of his home. Um, it was a different time in the late 1800s. And I guess because of that, I went to college in Hawaii um, and realized what I was missing. And it was my cultural background. Um, and after that, it kind of just, all of the spirituality really came to me, if you would. Uh, it kind of yeah. found me. Because <laughs> um, I... At a very young age, I did ask to go to church, and I had um, this family van that would pick me up uh, and pick up random folks and bring them to church. That was at a very young age. Um, and I continued to do that a little bit, but for the most part, I was very much just kind of doing that for social networking, if you would. And eventually it would lead me to where I am today, but I kind of just became spiritual and started my spiritual journey about seven to eight years ago during that time in college when I had a professor of mine told me that I was gray area. Um, and that kind of got me uh, really questioning what she meant by that and why I wasn't allowed to go on certain field trips. And later on, I find out 
what my last name really means. And it is Kahikina, which is the Eastern direction. Um, it's also why my Instagram handle is rising energy because mm. it's like the rising sign or the rising side of the sun direction. But I found out that that's where you would go to say goodbye to your dead ones. Like as they would die, you would go to the Eastern side of the Island to watch the sun come up. And that would be the last time for that day that your loved one's soul would be accessible until they were like transcended into the, like the mana or the, the energy of life. And that's when I realized like my gray area meant I didn't have like a backbone so to speak like I didn't have my tools of being like protected I didn't have uh, my tools of being grounded so I was I was not to go into those ancient places because I I was vulnerable and I didn't realize that I wasn't allowed to go to these like field trips because of spirituality and that's when I realized this culture this Hawaiian culture that I haven't been grown up in but like have always been around it really like showed itself to me so I would say this has been a self-discovery journey um and it's only because my my cultural environment and where I was raised if I was raised in the islands maybe it would have been sooner or would have been different but I think that because I've had to find my spirituality it's been more of like a almost a game for me <laughs> where, where yeah. it's like what can I find today that I didn't have yesterday and that's been an interesting aspect um but like I said I come from two folks that are just very like we don't really believe in a higher power after death is death and that's that and I was like okay <laughs> I don't uh, buy it <laughs> but <laughs> sure right. um so that was that's kind of where I'm uh, with that but going back to the kahuna thing kahuna is a hawaiian shaman that's what i would like to be when i grow up uh specifically a kahuna so someone that is going to be uh a person you come to for the hawaiian practices of life and and hawaiians believe in aloha they believe in mana and mana cannot be created or destroyed so the the next uh the next life is it's kind of like reincarnation from all of those things to like the Christianity side of life to the Buddhist side of life. That's kind of what I see when I think of the Hawaiian culture and kind of I'm, I'm already ordained as a minister in the Universal Life Church, but I feel like being kahuna would be more ordained in the idea of being a Hawaiian priest. So that's that's kind of been my my MO since the very the very start of that this journey uh, is to be like, how can I bring all of this ancient Hawaiian knowledge back to the table because we've been forgetting it and we've been losing it and I don't want it to become extinct. Have your parents, have they accepted the fact that you are a more spiritual person? Like how have they reacted to um, that journey of yours? So my dad's been really quiet um, and I, I feel like it's more of like him watching and learning because uh I didn't know how he stood or where he stood on that um, because my mother, <laughs> she right away was like, crystals? I like crystals. What do they do? Oh, they do? <laughs> and she was just like, can I have this one? Can, can we play with this one? And 
she was kind of more like she shocked me because even when I came out of the closet, she was like the one to be like, wait, so this means I don't get grandkids from you. And like my dad was the opposite. He was like, are you happy? And I was like, yeah, I'm happy. He was like, cool. I'm good with that. And then this time it was like, he was just quiet. So I was like, are you cool with this? Or are you just like, I don't believe in anything so much that you're like ignoring it. Um, and then all of a sudden he was like, hey, bud, my wrist's been hurting. Is there a stone for that? <laughs> and I was like, Ooh. dad, yeah, yeah, that is, that is true. <laughs> um, and then right away he was like, yeah, actually it feels better. And then he was like, I don't need anymore. Can I take it off? And I was like, do what you want with it. <laughs> like, it's yours. Wow. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's kind of an interesting journey because they've definitely pushed me to this, but they've also never kind of uh, come back. Uh, they never kind of challenged it in any way. So that's beautiful. I'm yeah, glad. it definitely helped. <laughs> I, I lucked out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, and I also noticed you were just talking about crystals, and I know that you're definitely like a healing crystals. I would call you like a crystals enthusiast. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and I noticed that you uh, wear a crystal around your neck. It's like this clear stone. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's a little yellow uh, quartz, um, also known as citrine or lemon quartz it is a gift it's been around my neck since i've received it <laughs> um comes off to charge or it comes off when i go into a river it is a citrine and citrines are known not to hold negative energy they are known to displace it and dispel it and the reason why it was gifted to me was because i had gotten a promotion for customer service and my friend who gave it to me said hey people suck you're gonna need this <laughs> um it's gonna help you stay sane and have more clarity and come from a place of patience with these people and ever since mm -hmm. i've not had it i think like left it in tahoe for a couple weeks when i was working and i just remember like being like Okay, so this does give me some added patience because I am losing it. Uh, <laughs> but for the most part, it's more of like, um, it's kind of just become an extension of me because acknowledging that I was like looking for that crutch, I was like, wait, let's practice it without it because maybe it can inspire me. It doesn't have to do it for me. So that's how I've always mm. looked at crystals is like, this may help you but it helps you get there. It's not that it is the mad magic or the medicine for it. It's, it's more of like, this is what your intention is. This is where it's going to go because you have this like little reminder, this little token, maybe even a little boost because crystals are energy at the very least created by the earth for some right. reason. So use them as you will. But for the most part, I am definitely an enthusiast because I'm no expert. Now, for folks who are new to the crystal world, though, um, are there any crystals that you would recommend during these times? I know a lot of people are feeling a lot of anxiety, oh, yeah. especially with this whole COVID-19 thing. Do you know of any crystal that would maybe help somebody uh, feel like they're able to deal with their anxiety better? Yeah, um, there's uh, three that I could think of. Howlite, which is this white stone, um, H-O-W-L-I-T-E. Um, it helps be patient. It helps be um, more polite. So I feel like more and more people are getting more down on themselves with the downtime that they have. And 
realizing maybe what they were doing before COVID isn't what they want to do after COVID or during. Um, and I feel like more anxiety is coming up because of unknowns, but also because of that more alone time and realizing maybe this isn't what I want to be doing, or maybe this isn't who I want to be. Maybe this isn't et cetera, et cetera. And instead it might help you just be more patient and polite with yourself and saying, you know, I have a chance to turn this around um, instead of accepting things as they are head towards the next step with yourself. Um, Citrine, I kind of, gave that dead giveaway of like, it helps with patience. It helps with <laughs> being um, like around maybe a lot of negative energies and putting them into more positive outlook or laughing at it. However, you can turn it around, but turn it around. So citrine was good for night terrors and stuff like that. So that's kind of been my go-to. It helps with like even menstruate, like, like menopause and, those menstrual cycles like those cramps it oh, can wow. help with that a lot of people put it in their water and they're like wow I don't get it maybe it's placebo but I feel better um but for the <laughs> most part it's an interesting rock just because it's how it's formed uh if it's in a cold environment it's going to be purple and that's amethyst so amethyst is another is the third stone I was really thinking of and Amethyst and citrine are really just cousins that were brought up in different parts of the country. Like in the colder spots, that's where purple happened. And in the warmer spots, that's where yellow and orange happened. So, mm, yeah, okay. it's the same stone. It just does different things and has different properties because of where it's from. Like amethyst helps with clairvoyancy and helping you open up to your spiritual entombment. So if they're trying to get into that, I would go with amethyst all day. But if you're trying to already use the practices that you're doing go with citrine and see if it can amplify it because all quartz are gonna amplify whatever your intention is but with these it's kind of been my go-to for gifts that's dope now going along with your spirituality and being a doula you also practice reiki can you kind of explain what that is reiki is very interesting it's um a very old japanese practice and there's this other Japanese practice called kitsugi. It's when you mend broken pottery together with gold. Um, and oh, wow. it's kind of like a an ancient like art, but also like a meditation and also kind of like healing in a way. Um, because some of these plates, like they might be your only plates and you're going to have to fix it. <laughs> so you're going to put it together um, and put it together with this really strong substance of gold. Um, can I look at Reiki kind of relating to that? Because it's not so much that the Reiki practitioner is healing you. It's that the Reiki energy, which is just energy in general, is being called back to your body. So say you went through a trauma at a very young age. And you have not let go from the feelings and reconciliation that you've gotten from that trauma. So you have grown up with that same age person inside you. Reiki's going to call that energy back to you and maybe even ask it for you to hold its hand and grow up with it. So it's to like call back energy that you may have lost, to call back energy that 
you may have forgotten you had because you were forced to forget it. Bringing it back to Kitsugi, it's it's kind of like, I, it's my favorite cup that broke. So I'm going to put it back together so that I still have my favorite cup. <laughs> it, it's like so simple in that right. way, but at the same time, it's, it's intricate because it might not just be trauma. It might just be the fact that you had a broken bone and the trauma from the physical. It could be the trauma from the emotional. It could be the trauma from the actual spiritual side of things because a lot of people have certain, I don't know, dilemmas with spirituality because they've been done wrong or misled or not told the proper information. So I feel like Kitsugi is the fact check of Reiki because it's it's basically saying we're going to make you whole again, but it's not me. Like, I don't make the pottery whole. It was the potter that made it whole. I'm just putting it back together. So Reiki is to be more humble than it, I think, has been in the modern times because... I'll even be at work and people will be like, let's just Reiki it. Let's just Reiki it. And it's like, yes, but also like, maybe it's just the card is in wrong. Like, like just pay attention more (laughs) instead of going to the other side. Like, let's just throw Reiki at it, which I'm all for as well. Like, let's throw Reiki at the situation of COVID. Like, let's, let's put some good intentions out there that like, this is still the best case scenario for us to make some good changes, or this is the best way for us to really figure out what's next um, instead of just saying like, this is a pandemic, this is awful, I'm over it. It's let's put something in the work so that this is a positive or so that this is something that can make us grow. And I think that's what Reiki does is it finds these things that hurt you and makes them your, not, I don't want to call it a trophy, but it does make it something that's like, hey, this is a scar, but guess what the scar did for me? I see. I was going to ask, is it, um, is it physical contact with the client? What does that look so, like physically? Um, for the most part, I have always touched someone uh, in the places that the energy centers are said to be, which are chakras, um, are said to resign, which is in many um, major organs and arteries. So that's how it looks physically. Um, but once you get into like Reiki, there's Reiki levels. And once you get into Reiki two, level two, um, you start to do something called distance Reiki. And that's being able to just make an intention of a space and sending the Reiki either symbols or the energy to that person or thing directly. Like I said, sending Reiki to COVID is, is different than obviously my hands-on Reiki client. But it's the same practice where I'm like, I'm holding Javon's uh, ankles because they're sore. She's been dancing. Let's hold those ankles and let's heat up. Like, honestly, every time I touch someone, they're like, how are your hands so hot? And I'm like, it's Reiki, baby. Like, I, I can't really explain it. Um, uh, but I promise that it's yeah. okay. We're good here. Like. So sometimes it could literally be like a soothing feel of like warm, warm hands on your cold ankles, sore ankles. Sometimes okay. it's just the energy is literally just pumping out. So it's heating my hand up. Um, and sometimes people mm-hmm. feel it immediately. Sometimes it's like the next couple of days and they call back and they're like, 
I want more of that more often. <laughs> um, so there's many different uh, kind of outcomes for Reiki and how it looks. I remember when, right after I got attuned to Reiki 2, my dancing felt more like Reiki than ever because I like slowly started to dance for people um, in my room. <laughs> For my friends and some of my friends are gonna oh, listen wow. to this and be like yep i remember that and now it's more on instagram but that's the same energy i used to bring to them um and it was kind of like i'm doing this painting for you but instead of a painting being able to be taken with you and hung up on your wall maybe you'll just remember how you felt and how you saw me in that moment and that was what started happening more and more often where more and more of my friends were being moved or felt the exact message I was trying to convey through my dance. So I feel like my Reiki was reaching through my dancing and I think it still does today. And one of my main reasons why I dance and share it is because there's some Reiki energy in there. And sometimes you feel it, sometimes you're invigorated by it and you're like, hey, like, yes, I want to work with you. Or you're like, I want to do that. And I yes. want to feel myself like you do. Or, or maybe it's just, wow, what you did there, I saw it and that was powerful and I'm going to go own it as well. So however you mm-hmm. feel the Reiki yes. is how you feel it. And I guess my dancing has been a major, major point for that. You definitely seem, not even seem to be, you are someone who finds joy in caring for others. You're absolutely a caregiver. But I'm curious, what does self-care look like for you? Like, how are you taking care of yourself when you're always responsible mm. of taking care of others? It's very important. Um, lately, there has been um, kind of like a shift. I think my self-care has been giving myself the ability to swim um, and bike ride. Those have like been my, I am actually more of an introvert, even though everything I do is extroverted. <laughs> um, so yeah. one of the main things that I have to respect in myself is that I need that alone time. And before yes. uh, COVID, I was definitely getting more involved with friends and the family aspect and being around them for my support group. Um, and Instead, now I'm giving myself the opposite, which is actually more healing for me, Um, because both of those things are really my my medicine, so to speak, is being able to be with friends, um, the closest friends I got, and having to share how I'm really feeling um, with them, and then also have that alone time. So I think it was a healthy mix before, and now... I'm kind of on this, like, let's go on 17-mile bike ride instead <laughs> journey. Um, so for COVID, that's that's kind of how it is. Um, also, kind of, I don't know how you would describe it. Anyone that's ever seen me doing it or has caught me doing it, because I always like to do it alone, they, they're like, it's like yoga, martial art, dancing, um, <laughs> where I'm kind of like Budokan, is another thing that I was compared to, but I, I kind of just take some alone time outside and I just kind of do movements. Like they're very precise. They're very like intentional. Like sometimes I'll look like I'm pulling back a bow and arrow and I'm setting an intention and I'm like, nothing's going to stop my arrow from getting to my target. Or I might be like in the water swimming and I'm going to be swimming towards my destination. I'm like, 
I'm going to go through this part of the water and I'm going to my destination when I get through it. So I'm constantly doing like visual manifestations of like, this is an emotion I no longer want to be giving life to. So I'm going to start swimming away from it. Or maybe um, I might be like holding a barrier with a swift circle movement with my arms and saying, you know what? No more. I don't want this anymore. Nope. Not here. Not in my space. Sorry, not today. Like, <laughs> and I'll just keep saying that until it's yeah. like, okay, I feel like I can go out and really practice that now. So I guess mindfulness um, is my best self-care. It is impossible to truly be alone for me just because I do care for like anyone around me, even if we are acquainted. Um, there is some part of me that is gonna have your back if need be so I can't get too far away from that caregiver but I guess that is the the way of being out of the way of myself is to be mindful and to not push myself through too many helpful uh journeys for others but to to really recognize like mindfully that maybe I have to tell you no today but it's not because I don't want to, but it's because I can't right now, but give me a bike ride and maybe a swim and I'll get back to you. Cause, cause that's, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like my self care and realizing my boundaries and my barriers don't have to be always up, but for a moment, if they're up, there's a reason. And as long as I'm foretelling with that, I think um, it's cause sometimes I'll get the guilt factor or I'll feel like obligated. So it's always a very thin sure. line of <laughs> like, even if I tell you no, is it really good for me? So it's always, <laughs> yeah. So it's always an interesting uh, little concept. And like I said, being mindful of that is helpful because maybe I just need to take a moment to myself and I hadn't all day. So then I'll call you right back or something like that. But for the most part, I think just breathing and staying active are my best medicines absolutely I think it's really important not to forget about ourselves because a lot of times we can get really caught up in you know wanting to help others and wanting to be there for others and like be people's rock but it's like we got to nurture ourselves first look at it as I have to be here for myself like me and this baby are about to come into this world like I'm about to come into this world as a mother and this baby is about to come into this world as a human like I am literally doing gifted work right now like if you want to call it god's work whatever it is it's a universal being or a universal sign for like we're powerful (laughs) so i feel like if you're looking at yourself like that like if i'm birthing anything if i'm holding on to anything i have to take care of me first or else this baby isn't gonna have a mother or else this baby isn't gonna have family or support or structure so it's it's looking at your life like Mm -hmm. that as well and being like I'm not gonna have structure I'm not gonna have support if I'm not gonna be here for me and sometimes people are like but that's selfish and there is another thin line between the two it's it's being selfish and then there's being aware and mindful of who you are and what you need at that moment and sometimes it is to take care of yourself for a few days and if that's what you need, that's what you need to respect in yourself, if not give yourself. 
Absolutely. Where can folks find you on social media? I'm using Instagram a lot more lately. And um, you can find me at rising underscore energy. Um, That has been my go-to. I also um, practice out of... uh, the Truckee Healing Collective. So you can find me on All Love, which is A L L U V dot com. That is another way to find me and find more about, find out more about me and uh, where I've come from in the spiritual journey and healing journey. Are there any parting words that you have, or is there anything that you would like to touch mm. on that we didn't get to? Basically, we should not disturb women uh, specifically at birth in general, but since most social and physical societal norms could be talked about as soon as we bring those things up, like maybe disturbing women in their births or disturbing women, maybe we can start to look at the culture as a whole and address the problem or the trauma or the disease um, Mm. so that we can start maybe fixing it. And I don't even know if we should look at birth as in fixing it or like going back to the old and maybe even death just being talked about and acknowledged as something we all go through and maybe could unite us at the same table for once again. Right. But at the end of it is just like, it comes back to birth. Um, and it comes back to that singular thing, having so much to do with all of our healing as a culture and as a society, especially here in America, we are, uh, plethora of cultures and backgrounds I think that it's important to talk about these similar cases like we have similar birth cases we have similar death cases we have now the similar coronavirus case so it's Mm. it's coming down to really looking at it and saying how can we do this together instead of dividing ourselves and I think that it all comes from this one singular event birth death food (laughs) I love that yes Right on. Yeah, I say all the time that life is cyclical, you know, so that totally kind of confirms that for me when you say that it all comes, it all starts with birth. That's, that's amazing. For this week's wellness segment, I want to give a shout out to this new app that I've been using. It's called I Am. And what it does is it sends positive affirmations to your phone throughout the day. And you can set the frequency for how often it sends you these messages. And I know right now, more than ever, a lot of our screen time is up <laughs> with all of this free time that we have. And, you know, we're being inundated with all these messages about what's going on in the world. And it can be a lot. It can be a lot to take in. And sometimes we just need something positive when our spirits are down. So um, it's called I Am. It's available in both the App Store and the Google Play Store. And you can get different categories of messages like self-care or stress and anxiety, health and well-being, gratitude, love and relationships. There's different categories that you can choose from. And there are some in-app purchases if you want to get different categories that need to be unlocked. But a cool thing about it too is you can actually write in your own affirmations. And they also have a mode when you're on the app, you can have it set for one minute, five minutes, or 15 minutes. And it'll have a countdown and it'll have different affirmations pop up on the screen for the allotted time that you select. And you just read those affirmations to yourself multiple times before the next one comes up. And it can just basically rewire and train your brain into thinking more positively. So I really like it. For a free app, it does amazing things. I highly recommend it. It's called I Am.
All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode of Lesbianics, the podcast. Again, I want to give a special thanks to Joshua Kahikina for this interview. You can follow him on Instagram. He has two accounts. One is at rising underscore energy and the other is at the doula guy. That's D-O-U-L-A, the doula guy. To keep up on all things Lesbianics, you can follow us on Instagram at lesbianicsblog, that's L-E-S-B-I-O-N-Y-X blog. And to support this podcast, you can make a monetary donation to our cash app, which is dollar sign lesbianics. And of course, share on social media if you feel so inclined. I'm Javon Crumby. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.